Well, good morning again and welcome again to Connections. And would you do me a favor and help me wish a happy birthday to my man, Hunter, right here. Still up here picking away. Now, he told us in our pre-service prayer and meeting time that he was 34. Uh, okay, yeah, I knew that wasn't correct. Um, I remember being those days where I wished I was older. I'm not in those days anymore. I'm wishing I was younger now, but you know, you, you deal with the cards you got, right? Would you uh, let somebody next to you know how glad you are to see them today? <clears throat> now, now try this. The ones of you that didn't do that, uh, try that again, and you do it this time, and the ones that did it, but you didn't really mean it, it wasn't coming from the heart, you know what I'm saying? It was just kind of, pastor said, do this, so glad to see it as well. I mean, put some emotion and, and, and feeling behind it this time, and and tell them, tell them one more time how glad you are to see them here. <clears throat> that was better. I think you're getting it. I think, I think another few weeks and you're going to have that down pat. Um, if you're with us, would you grab this handout that hopefully you were handed when you came in and has some really great information and opportunities to serve and be a part of ministry here at and through Connections. And on the other side, uh, a wonderful outline to follow along today. And if you haven't been with us for a few weeks, we've been in this great study on 2 Corinthians. And would you help me thank Scott and the team for taking care of things last week. And uh, what a great time we we got to go on a vacation and we watched from our, our hotel room and just amen and right along. I was jumping up every once in a while and feeling it, you know, it, it was good. I just wanted to be in the house here, but you know, I couldn't be. So we, we, we made the best of, of what we had, the four of us in our hotel room there as we kind of just enjoyed some time together. But uh, Paul wrote this great letter of one of, of several letters to the Corinthian church, uh, two of which are recorded in our Bible. And, and Paul himself was an incredible giver. I, I love that when somebody's wanting to teach me something, impart something to me, I love when they've got it themselves. And it's not one of those things of do as I say and not as I do. It's one of those things of do as I do. Emulate me. He even made that statement in, in one of his letters. He wrote, follow me as I follow Christ. I want somebody who's going to live it out, not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. And Paul, an incredible giver himself, takes some time to brag on some givers who truly got it. And that's the name of our, our message today, Givers Get It. And, and so we want to take a look at their example today and, and what all that means to us in our lives here in 2018. And I want you to hear these words from Paul, his writing to the Second Corinthians as, as paraphrased in the message in verses 1 through 15. Now listen to how how he, he writes this and, and the wording here. And he says, now friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. You ever been pushed to the limit? You ever been to the, to the brink and you didn't know if you were going to make it and things were just crashing all around you? That's where they were. And here's what he said. The trial exposed their true colors. I mean, remember that song, I see your true colors shining through. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here, man. The, the true inside came out of who they were. And here's what he goes on to say. In the midst of all this stuff they were facing, all the adversity, all the pressure, all the hard times that were crashing all around them, they were incredibly happy. <laughs> what? You got to be kidding me. How, how are you happy in the midst of adversity. Well, let's go on and find out. 
Though desperately poor, they were incredibly happy. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, Paul writes. An outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. Pleading for the privilege. Now, now get this. They were begging to give in these offerings. They were pleading for the privilege of helping out in relief of poor Christians. Hello? They didn't realize they were kind of in that same category. But they didn't put themselves there. They embraced the reality of having Christ. You have everything. So they were just totally in this place of knowing that all the riches of heaven belonged to them. And therefore, they were wanting to give of what they had to those who were really, really struggling. Man, that's, that's pretty deep, huh? Now, now listen. He says this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and it caught us completely off guard. We weren't going there, in other words, to, to take an offering per se. And he says what explains it was that they had, now get this, don't, don't miss this, nudge your neighbor and say, don't let this get by you. Go ahead, I know some of you don't like that, but go ahead. So you need to grab a hold of this. Here's what he says. This is what explains it. They had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. Here's the big thing today. The big takeaway is that we just push all our chips to the middle of the table. That we go completely in wholeheartedly. We are going to be everything all in for God. We hold, in other words, here, here's the way it looks. I've got 10. I'm not going to put nine in the middle. <laughs> I'm going to put all 10 in, in the middle. I'm going to say everything goes in. All of who I am, what I am, everything that I have to give, I give to God and I give to others around me. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Amen. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives, Paul says. That's what prompted us to ask Titus to bring the relief offering to your attention so that what was so well begun could be finished up. You do so well in so many things, Paul writes to the Corinthians. You trust God, you're articulate, you're insightful, you're passionate, you love us. Now, do your best in this area too. I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love. You ever, you ever notice how enthusiasm can be contagious? You can kind of just be mellow, humdrum, laid back, and somebody comes along, and man, they are fired up, pumped up, and, and ready to go, and you just kind of, some of it rubs off on you. You're like, man, yeah, that, that's good stuff right there. I, I want to I get what they've got. I, what, I don't know if they've got it in a bottle. I don't know if they, they've got it in whatever, but, but I need some of that in my life. And, and that's what Paul's saying. He said, I want to bring some of the Macedonians' enthusiasm back to you so that it will stimulate your life as well. And he says, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. Would you write that somewhere in the margin of your outline? Is my best coming out for Christ? Does Christ have my very best? He says, you are familiar with the generosity of our master, Jesus, rich as he was. He gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor and we became rich. So here's what I think Paul sums this up by saying. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish up, so go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands. This isn't so others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, 
Here's a beautiful picture of the church. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all, all the way. You're surplus matching their deficit. Their surplus matching your deficit. And in the end, it all comes out even as it is written. Nothing left over to the one with the most. Nothing lacking to the one with the least. Here's the reality. We all give everything we can. I can't teach children. <laughs> but thank God for all of you who can. And you go back there Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And you not only teach our children, but you love on them. I mean, you pour into their lives. You reach the throne of heaven through the week so that you can go and impart the love of God to those precious kids. You get down on your knees and you look them in the face and you say, you don't realize how much Jesus loves you and we love you. And God has a great plan for your life. And you just do that. I can't really do that that well. If more than two kids get around me, I start getting a little shaky. And I'm starting to look for somebody like, um, hey, these guys are awesome, but uh, I don't know what to do here. Many of you say, Pastor, I can't get up and preach like you and Scott and Terry and, and, and our other preachers. And, and you know, I, I can't do that. It's okay. But what Paul is saying here is that we all give what we have. If each of us just goes all in with the, the abilities, the talents, the treasures that God has invested into us, that in the end, it's all going to come out great. That you're going to provide what I can and I'm going to provide what you can. And we all shoulder the load together side by side. Just giving everything that we have to the glory of God. And that's exactly what this Macedonian group of believers did. That Paul was, if, if you read this passage over and over again, you're going to realize that Paul was just astounded by this. To the point that he said, I've got to write these things out. And let you know exactly where their heart is. And how beautiful of a picture that is. Now, I just want to share my struggle right up front on this subject of giving. Here, here's the reality of it. I know that, that, that the struggle for me and a lot of pastors and ministers over the last number of years has become this thing of greed versus the need. And what I mean by that is that there have been so many greedy hucksters who came in the name of Christ and, 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 and call themselves Christians and all they're really after is filling their pockets with money, building bigger houses, flying jets and, and, and acquiring stuff and, and making themselves wealthy. And they fleece so many people through the years in the name of Christ and Christianity. So every time we get up to, to proclaim the truth about giving, then, then uh, there's always a struggle about, you know, what are people going to think? And, and, and how are they going to understand this? So it's always this tug of war. So many have been abused and wounded and ripped off. What I want you to know is this, number one on your outline. The truth is that giving is ultimately and completely godly. It is the very heart of God himself. How many of you would agree with me that the most well-known verse out of the entire Bible is found in John's gospel? Can anybody tell me what the address is? 316. John 316 tells us, for God so loved the world that he... You've heard that before, right? That he what? He gave what? His only son. And the Bible tells us that Jesus loves us so much that he, what? Gave his life on the cross just for us. So, you want to know what the heart of God is? It's all about giving. It's entirely about giving and giving and giving and giving. And he still gives. 
No matter how many times we blow it, no matter how many times we fail and fall on our face, and no matter how many times, as the Bible puts it, we sin and fall short of God's wonderful glory, He still loves us and gives grace and mercy and forgiveness and says, come back home like the prodigal is gone and, and, and God the Father is standing there, scanning the horizon, waiting for us to come back to His riches and grace and Christ Jesus' mercy. He gives because that's who he is. Giving is extremely important. No matter what or how it's been tarnished through the years. Listen to these statistics out, out of God's word. The word believe or believer or believing is used 272 times. The word prayer, pray, praying, that version is used 371 times. The word love or loves or loving is used 371 times. But the word give Gives or giving is used, guess how many times? Nope, you're wrong. Is <laughs> used 2,157 times. So you know what that tells us? That the Bible is God's word is all about giving. It's the essence of Christian living. So you can understand my struggle today. I'm not after your money. So please get that straight right up here, clear and up front. I don't need your money. <laughs> I mean, you like that. I don't need it. Why? Because the Bible tells me that my God does supply all of my need according to what? His riches in glory through Christ Jesus. But we as God's people desperately need to become like him in every way. And that certainly includes the heart of a giver. We need to be those people that say, you know what? God has given me so much. I'm going to give him everything I am. Nothing is mine any longer. It's all his. When we started this church, we started with zero dollars on purpose. You know how many people plan a church like that today? Practically zero, I'm, I'm thinking. That's just a, a guess. The, the way to plan a church today is you, you go to a, another church that you're a part of, or you go to a parachurch organization, you say, hey, would you give us, you know, 10, 12, 15 families? We'd like to have about 50 to 70 people to start with. And, and could you, you know, maybe promise us 50000 75000 $100,000 so we can get started? And that's kind of the typical way to plant churches now. But I knew in my heart when God said it's time to plant a church, it's time to start this thing called Connections. I knew in my heart of hearts that we weren't to do it that way. Not that that's a bad way. I am not condemning that. I'm not throwing stones at it. But that just wasn't the way that God had spoken to me and said, this is how I want you to do this thing. God said, I want you to start out with nothing. Literally nothing, not a single dollar from anyone else, nothing, uh, no equipment, any, nothing. And I want you to do this. Now, now get this, this is something that we all struggle with in this day and time. I want you to trust me that I'm going to provide everything you will all need. So we did that. We did that knowing that God had directed us in that way, finances, people, equipment, facilities, everything we would have need that God would provide. And listen to me. I think you would agree with me that almost 10 years into being a church that God has been completely faithful in every single way. Not just in the stuff, but even more importantly, in his powerful presence to show up and change the hearts and lives of those people who are desperately lost without him and have no hope until they hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's provided all that and so much more. And listen to me, a little news flash. He's not going to stop now. More in store, folks. Because we're just getting started. So it's all about trusting his heart. 
trusting that God is faithful and he's going to do what he's told you he would do. I cannot stress enough just how much he wants to put his gracious and generous giving heart inside of each one of us and, and, and that we can truly give to those around us in the manner in which he pours into our lives. So, so you may be hearing this today and, and you may be in desperate need of a heart transplant because I'm asking you that right now. And I want you looking at me. I want you listening and hearing this. Does God have all of your heart today? Does he have everything of who you are? And you may be asking, well, how does he do this? I mean, how does he accomplish this? And here Paul paints this vivid picture for the, the Corinthians of what the Macedonian church had, had been living out when, he, when it came to the issue of giving. So now conventional wisdom would, would have said it wasn't a particularly good time to be giving if you were on, on the Macedonian side of things. The stock market was down. Their, their situation was tough. It, it wasn't a good time to be worrying about the needs of other people because they should have been just trying to survive themselves. How are we going to make it tomorrow? I mean, the reality of it is just like Kelly and Joey shared just a, a little bit ago. You know, they, they deal with people, everything's in there. I mean, the cupboards are bare. The, there's no refrigerator. There's nothing to eat. And it's similar to this picture that's painted of the Macedonian church. And yet they said, we want to give. How can we help? We want to bless others, even in the midst of our struggle. So how does that happen? That they were giving liberally and joyfully. Because the Bible tells us one thing about giving is that God loves a curmudgingly giving person, right? Somebody who gives with an attitude, oh, I don't want to do this, but here you go. He loves that kind of person, right? No, the Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. So that's exactly what these Christians were doing. How? How do we begin to account for a group of people acting this way? What, what could cause people to act in ways that seem so contrary to our human nature, because quite honestly, some of you are going to go to lunch today, and your order might not be exactly right when it comes to the table, or your, your waiter will, might not be, get there quickly enough with your, with your sweet tea, and you know, they might have forgot to put the lemon wedge on, on the top of it, and, and so your first inclination is to say, well, hmm, see what kind of tip they get. Or, or you might even say, you know, when they get, get there, well, I'd like to see a manager, I'd like to, to, to file a complaint with, I've got, I've got some things I need to, to let them know about how terrible the service has been because my tea got here two minutes later than it should have. That's not these people. They just lived in joy. The Bible says there's joy in the Holy Ghost. When you're full of Jesus, you're full of J-O-Y. But when your life is empty of Christ, you got the other stuff. And let me just tell you, you don't want the other stuff. Because that's the kind of stuff that complains and gripes and grumbles and always seeing the negative always with a glad heart. Now, would you agree with me that we live in a culture that's pretty materialistic right now in the good old U.S. of A.? And that's probably an understatement. The idea is this. I've got to have it all. I've got to, to want it all, to spend it all, to get it all. I mean, just think. Just think about it in a couple of months. We're going to face this bombardment of endless catalogs, commercials, mailers, emails, text messages, every kind of way you can get it. Receiving from companies wanting to sell us something to make our Christmas merry and bright. I mean, the reality of it is Hallmark started showing Christmas movies back in July. To be honest with you, I don't know that they ever stopped showing them. 
And my definition of their Christmas movie is simply this. It's a love story with a Christmas tree stuck in the background somewhere. Yeehaw! And all the ladies are like, they're coming out with 45 new Christmas movies this year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just take me home now, Jesus. But we're going to be pushed with buy this, get this. Your life will not be complete. Your family won't be the family if you don't have the latest, greatest this, that, the other. You're missing out on so much if you don't purchase our items and our stuff. Like we need more stuff. Have you ever noticed how many yard sales we have around here? It's because people have too much stuff. And what they want to do is sell that stuff so they can go out and buy. Materialism just grips our lives here in this nation. It's the kind of culture that it's difficult to keep your values in because it's challenging when you see everybody else getting more and more and more stuff. What's the remedy? How, how do we keep from becoming so materialistic? Well, there's only one antidote to materialism, and that is this. Write it down. You don't want to miss it. It's mind-boggling. But it'll change your life. One word. Give. Just be a giver. Wayne Myers, who was one of the greatest missionaries that you'll never hear about, was a big part of our Bible college at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas when I was there in the mid-80s. And he was there in the 90s and he was there in the 2000s. The man just was, was incredible. He owned nothing, but he lacked nothing. His motto was live to give. And when he said it, he said it with the biggest smile on his face. The guy didn't have a hair on his head. His, his head would be just shiny and, and, and his, his smile would be even shinier. He was, the, he was the, the most giving, joyful, happy person I think I've ever been around in my entire life. And I remember as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid just sitting there listening to him, just taking in every word. He said, folks, if you live to give, then your life is going to be complete. You will never lack anything because God will just keep pouring into your life and blessing you over and over and over again. If you learn to live to give, would you write that down somewhere? Live to give, that is the antidote. That's the remedy to materialism. It'll break that grip. It'll, it'll eradicate that from our lives. The essence of materialism is get. So every time we give, we are breaking that grip on our lives. It's a, it's a countercultural move. It's the, it's the God thing to do, church. But so many of us are caught up, not only in this room, but those of you that will be watching today and the days ahead. So many people are just caught up in the grips of, of I've got to collect more and hoard more and hold on to more and, and, and keep it to myself. i got to build bigger barns so I can store my stuff. I've got to get rid of a few things so I can get more stuff. I've got to get, 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 get. No! Are you hearing me today? That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is give, 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 give. Just be a giver and love people. And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about giving away everything of who you are to those who are in need around you just like Jesus Christ always did when he walked this planet. It's not about us. It's about Christ in us, the hope of glory, and giving that to everyone we come in contact with. Third on your outline is whenever we truly allow the heart of God to give, to be planted inside of us and understand how that is accomplished, then we get to see the hand of God move 
in miraculous ways. Point being this, write this down. You cannot outgive God. You can't do it. It's the 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8 principle, which is the next chapter over, that Paul writes more about giving in in the next chapter. So you, you ask your homework this week, read chapter 9. It is so important. In verses 6 through 8, he writes this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a what? Small crop. But the one who plants generously is going to get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. How how much of what you need? A little bit? A portion? Three-fourths of what you need? All of it. Everything. Whatever you need, God will provide. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Here's what I love to share with other people. It was amazing to be a part of last night and see, see the expression of love through giving as, as Joy and Kelly spent some time and shared their hearts to the, to the folks here at the dinner and, and, and people just began to pour, pour money and just write checks. And listen, they'll take more. Not because they're takers, but because they're out there on the front line serving and, and, and committing themselves and saying, you know what, God, we pushed all our chips in three or four years ago. We went all in. We sold everything we had, God. We abandoned the life that we knew, the love, the family, everything here. And we went for it in a foreign country. Lock, stock, and barrel. It was amazing to see the, the generosity that came from people who have put this into practice in their, their lives year after year, and have proven God to be faithful and true. And they not only have their needs met, but they can go and say, here, we support you, we stand with you, we give to you, we love you. I love that. So the question then is this, how big a harvest do I want? You're picking out just a few little seeds and spreading them. Okay, that, that's, that's plenty. Got three or four little stalks shooting up. Like, oh, man, why isn't it bigger? Where's, where's, where's the rest of it? You know where the rest of it is? Still in your pocket. You got to get it out. You got to just throw this seed. You got to, everywhere you go, at work, in your neighborhood, you got to just be sowing seeds. Hey, what's going on, neighbor? Anything I can help you with? You need, you need some help fixing that, that roof? You got to leak? Oh, we'll get over there. We'll do it. We'll help you. You, you, you sowing seed. You just giving. You just pouring out whatever. I can't do that, but I'm going to find my buddy. He's a roofer. We'll get him over here and I'll, I'll, I'll take care. I'll help you with it. No problem. How much of a harvest do you want to get? That's what it all boils down to because that's what God's word says here. You sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. You sow generously, you're going to reap generously. Listen, giving is not a debt we owe. It's a seed we sow. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Are we taking advantage of it fully? Bible tells us in the Old Testament, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I don't know about you, but I like the way that sounds. God said, test me in this, go for it. In other words, he's, he's like Rocky Balboa standing in the middle of the ring saying, come on, go for it. See if I don't do what I've told you I will do if you just learn to trust me. Givers get it, church. They just get it. They, they, they understand who God is and what his great heart is. And they say, Lord, come and put your heart in my chest. 
Lord, you come and live in and through me. You be a giver in me. You be a giver through me. I don't want to get, 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 take, take, take. I don't want to be that person. I want you to crush that in my life. Destroy it. Remove it. And let me have your heart beating in my chest. I've not only seen this countless times in others, I have lived it for over 30 years and counting. And here's what I will stand before you and say without reservation or a shadow of a doubt. My God is faithful always to his word. He never lies. He's not a man that he would tell us a lie. He will always come through with what he has promised us. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Because he can be trusted without a doubt in every way. We're called to be good stewards. We're called to be godly givers. Here's the takeaway very quickly from from this chapter 8. There there are three things I just want to give you. First of all, godly giving comes from a surrendered life. Verse 5, they first gave themselves to the Lord. Some of you haven't, haven't really went all in with, with, with your commitment to Christ. With your, you're saying, God, I, I'm yours, everything I am. But the Macedonians did. They went all in. They surrendered their lives to the Lord and to others. Secondly, we got to make it our mission to excel in everything, including giving. Verse 7, Paul is directing the Corinthians church to excel in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, love, and also in your giving. I believe he's directing us in this very same way that we are to live with excellence as an offering to our king. And thirdly, Jesus is our source and our example that we see in verse 9. Paul wrote, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. He gave himself for us. His power enables us to give ourselves for him. But please, I want to caution you with these three things here. The top three wrong motives. Because we can, we can give, but our hearts not even be close to the right place where they should. First one is, is, is simply guilt. The, the kind of attitude that says, well, I guess I, I, guess I have to, you know, mentality. I, here, take, take this or take that. The other one is, is, is for the glory. Some people give and they want to march down and write out the big check and say, look at me. You know, you know how to get the, the most given to a, a, a building campaign? You tell somebody you're going to put their name on a pew or on a window or on a building or something else, man, and they'll start breaking out the checkbook. Heck yeah, I want my name in, in, in lights, so to speak. I want to be recognized. I want people to, to say, wow, way to go. You gave 10000 Man, that's awesome. We don't have any pews, so you ain't got to worry about that. Third, we're not given to get back. That's right, Pastor Scott. We're not giving to get back. God, I'm going to give you 50, so I'm expecting 100 back, okay? And, and if it's possible, I like that in 20s because, yeah, i got a few things to do with it this week. So, yeah, here's the deal. Top three wrong motives in giving. And that's my cue, I guess. You know, I really believe that it comes down to this. Many believers don't fully give because they, well, I know it does. They don't fully trust God. You're saying, Pastor, that's hard. I can't see him. <laughs> but you can in so many ways. Who do you think gave you your life, created you, decided you were going to live right here, right now, pump the blood through your veins, 
all the blessings you have, it's him. He just calls us to be good stewards, managers of what he's entrusted to us. How well are we doing that? Understanding that none of this belongs to us. It's a gift given by him for us to utilize for him. That's the heart of it. And givers truly get that. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? I want to I want to say for some of you, you, you've got this and, and, and the Lord's, you know, just speaking to you saying, well done, keep going, keep on, you're, you're doing great, I, I'm proud of you, keep being that kind of giver that, that I've called you to be, that I've, I've taught you to be, that I, I've imparted to you. For some of you, I believe that God would say that you're close, you're mostly surrendered, but there's a, a little bit of you that you, you've been holding on to and holding back, I've I, I got to have it all and, and you'll, you'll be amazed at what I can do with it and for others today. I believe that God says, I, I need to do a heart transplant. I believe for some, it's going to take some radical action steps. And you know who you are because God's speaking to your heart right now. Two biblical examples that I felt to finish with. The first one was a, a man that we know as the rich young ruler who came to Christ. And he said, what must I do to be a disciple? I've, I've, I've given to the poor. I've helped. I've, I've, I've prayed. I've, I've done all this. And Jesus responded to his question. He said, here's what you need to do. The one thing that you lack is sell all that you have and give it away and then come and follow me. The Bible says that he went away very sad because he had great riches. Folks, he wouldn't trust. He wouldn't go all in. He didn't know what truly giving was all about. Now, the second is a lady who we simply know as a widow. That Jesus was in the temple one day and he was watching as they collected the offerings and the alms. And, and, and he watched this, this lady go up and, and others in front of her who were wealthy and rich and, and, and dropped in a bunch of money into the plate. And, and they gave their offerings and this little humble widow went up and she said, Jesus tells us that she gave two mites, which are the smallest of Roman coins. But Jesus said, she gave the very most because the rich are giving out of their abundance, but this poor widow is giving all she has. And folks, at the end of the day, that's all and exactly what Jesus wants from each of us. For us to be joyfully willing to give to him all that we have. What a beautiful lesson. What a great example from this Macedonian group of believers who, who got it. And now we can learn from their example 2,000 plus years later. They got it. We can get it. Because here's the beautiful thing. I've seen God transform the hardest of hearts. Hearts that were all about greed and, and getting and, and more and more. And it just enough is never enough. And, and they just always are wanting to accumulate. And, and I've seen God come in and break that hard heart as people come and, and fully surrender and say, God, change me. I surrender my life to you first and foremost. And God's here to do that with every one of us who will come and, and ask of him. And maybe you're, maybe you're close. Maybe you've, you've got a lot of things in order and a lot of, a lot of good, good stuff in your life. But there's just that, that one other area that you've been clutching to and holding on to. And God's saying to you today, if you'll trust me and go all in, you're going to be amazed at what I'm going to do in you and through you. If you're here this morning, you would say, Pastor, I, I need God to come and do some powerful stuff in my life. 
in the area of giving, would you just raise your hand and say, pray for me. I, I want to be that person that, that's not looking to get. I, I want to be that person that lives to give. And, and my heart and my life belong completely to Him. And I fully surrender everything. Would you just raise your hands across this room and say, that's my prayer today. That's my desire. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How many others just join these? Yes, ma'am. Yes, 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 yes. As a matter of fact, would you just start making your way up here? I just want to pray with you right here at the front of this church for a couple moments here, here together. Would you, if you raise your hand or if you're, if God's dealing with you, didn't raise your hand, just come right now. And as you make that step, God's breaking something. God's changing something. God's delivering and God's setting free and God's making whole and he's imparting something of himself, his, his giving heart into your chest and your life and your your situation as you come thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you come now and I want others to come and surround and stand with and and partner up with these folks I want some men with these men and some ladies with these ladies and I want you to begin to just pray with them for a matter of fact I want you to get as, as Pastor Scott said a couple weeks ago just get in front of them here get face to face with these that are in here for prayer right now ladies with ladies men with men and I want you to partner with them and I want you to ask them specifically what can I pray with you about how can we pray together? I need some more men over here. I need two more men. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't be shy. There's one. There's one. Yeah, we'll take three. Come on. These two, two men right here need some prayer partners. I need a lady over here to pray with this young lady. Abby, if you want to get, get in front of her and pray right now, just take a moment. I want everybody to, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Stretch your hands this way. If you feel led to come up and, and join these, it's okay. You come and surround these folks. These are your family members. Those of you that are believers, these are believers in here. They're making commitments right now to become believers in Christ. Full of discipleship, all in. Pick up the cross. Go hard after Him. Not turning back. As they pray right now in just a moment, I'm going to pray over them. And we're going to worship the Lord and we're going to promote some kids. And what a day in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Joey and Kelly, would you just come and pray over these folks as well? You guys have seen that, that victory in your lives and pushing it all in the table and saying, God, I'm yours. I just appreciate you guys just going down this line, praying for these folks that are making that same decision right now. Nothing like it. Nothing like seeing that victory come breaking the clutches of that get mentality becoming free to just give ourselves away I believe this week many of you are going to do some some radical things you're going to you're going to go to some people that you know have a need I'm not necessarily talking about finances I'm talking about you know they have a need in a, in a certain area of service or encouragement or help or being a friend and lending a, a shoulder to, to cry on whatever it is I believe you're going to take some radical steps this week to go to them that God puts them on your heart you may even not, not even have a clue of who that is right now but maybe on Tuesday afternoon bam it hits you and you see them and you, you know who they are or maybe you don't maybe you've never met them but, but God just drops it in your heart that person right there is the person I have for you to serve and help and give something to of love and grace and partnership and encouragement, prayer. Maybe it's just going and saying, hey, God put on my heart to pray for you today. I don't even know what area of need you have or where you're struggling, but what is it? And man, they just 
boom, it just comes like a floodgate opening and they just begin to lay it out there. Man, I, I can't believe you You said that. I, I've been struggling so much in this area. And you're giving and you're giving and you're giving because you're a river, not a reservoir. And you're allowing the spirit of the living God to flow in you and through you to others. Heavenly Father, as they are doing business around this altar, the front of this church, God, as they are surrendering some things and, and praying and asking you to come and break some strongholds and bring the change, God, thank you for doing that. Some of these folks are coming down here saying, Jesus Christ, I need you to come and save me from my sin. Lord, you said that you sent your only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. God, I need that. I cry out to you, Lord, save me, forgive me, change me and transform me, God. Thank you for that great gift, the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation. Through the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, washing us clean, making us new creations. Thank you for that, Lord. For those that are saying, God, I've been struggling with just one area. There's just one thing. As the Bible said, when Jesus identified this rich young Lord, there's one thing you lack, God. I want to give it up. I surrender that, Lord, and I take up my cross and follow you. For those, Lord, who just need to be free from the clutches of materialism, of holding on, of, of, of storing up, God. And they need to just release everything to you and say, Lord, I want to be the kind of steward that you are calling me to be. Put your heart into my chest and take my hard heart out and greedy heart out. Change me from this day on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you all stand together across this room as they continue to pray? You don't have to leave the front of this church. Let's worship him together before they come. And we promote the kids in just a few minutes and a great time of celebrating what they're doing.